Hey there, folks. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I am Rob Hessler. I am foregoing my ordinary intro here for the show because it is such a full show that I just don't have time to play it. We have two interviews. The first one is going to be with Stephanie Sunshine Forbes and Nora Harrison about Nora's new exhibition, Sometimes I Miss You, over at Rule of Three Gallery. The exhibition reception is Friday, December 10th from 6 to 10 p.m. And then the second interview, we're going to be bringing back our good friend, Lisa Rosenmeyer, who's going to be doing her first exhibition of her Spock the Mouse character called To the Future, over at Blick Art Materials at 308 West St. Julian Street in the Upstairs Gallery, which is also opening on Friday, December 10th, and will be opening the entire day that the store is open, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. But let's get right into it. Here's Stephanie Sunshine Forbes and Nora Harrison talking about Sometimes I Miss You at Rule of Three Gallery. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes, and I am speaking with Stephanie Forbes and Nora Harrison, and we're going to be talking about Rule of Three Gallery and Nora's upcoming exhibition, Sometimes I Miss You, which opens Friday, December 10th from 6 to 10 p.m. And Rule of Three Gallery is at 315B Montgomery Street here in Savannah. I want to dive into all of the details about Rule of Three Gallery here. Okay, so the gallery's named Rule of Three. Where does that come from? What's what's the gallery name inspired by? Uh, so my parents, again, um, we are kind of a very interesting unit of three, um, but they are both artists, um, specifically SCAD graduates. So when mm. I made the move from California to come back to um, the Savannah area and go to SCAD, my mom was like, oh my gosh, rule of three, like we're all going to be SCAD graduates. And so, um, so it's just another one of those things. Uh, I I never struggled growing up with like what I wanted to do. My Mm. parents were always like, you're an artist. Like I came out the womb drawing pretty much. And um, it was never like, they never tried to steer me in any kind of you know, what one would assume lucrative career. <laughs> like They were like, you're an artist. You have to be an artist. And like divine will is like here, you're going to make it. And um, so they were really encouraging. Um, and it kind of felt like a rule almost like eventually where I was like, no, I actually have to be an artist. And so that that is uh, us three in the name, but it's also an ode to the historic rule of thirds. But yeah, three's always been a pretty solid number in my life. I love that. That's so positive. I say I've said this dozens of times on the radio show, but I, I I love to say it again and again because I think it's really important to people out there who have given up their arts. Is that you know every four year old is an artist. I always say that. Like, what little kid do you know that's not like banging on pots and pans or pulling out the crayons and the markers and like making art and we lose art, you know, so you mentioned making art out of the womb. It's like, we teach ourselves to not be artists rather than, I mean, I think everybody has that instinct. So it's kind of cool that your parents were so supportive of that. And you were in that environment where it's like, oh, now it's not time to grow up and be serious. It's like, just keep making art. Yeah. And it's like, it's with the pains too. Like it was always very incredible to know that I had that, like that I had that source. And, um, 
but even like the emotional aspect of growing up in a house with two parent artists, like it was very, uh, not great all the time, you know, like three very emotional people in a space. <laughs> like, um, but it's like, it just gave me such a broad view of life. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, obviously, in addition to serving you well as an artist, because you need to connect with whatever subject matter that you're working on, but mm-hmm. also with uh, running and operating a gallery. Now, this isn't your first gallery operating experience though so talk a little i okay so ooh, I, that's interesting um you don't get that from the from the press clippings that i look up about your previous experience but sort of talk a little bit about kind of your background not just as an artist but operating a gallery and sort of the path that that ended up getting you on to opening this new gallery here in savannah i i make that face because it's just it was such a uh, learning experience for me the first time i was 20 years old like i had actually no <laughs> business like do it made like running an art gallery but I was volunteering for this guy who opened up a gallery on Broad Street in Augusta and um I just fell in love with everything about it like he was he was bleeding for the sake of art every day like he 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 just wanted that space to be there for people so badly and he couldn't make it work like he was having a not to any fault of his own but it was just a difficult time and um monetarily was like just not giving him what he needed from it Uh and so he told me that he was going to move to colorado and sell the gallery and i was like you can't like this is bringing so much good like you can't just sell it and um and i tried to get him to stay and he he didn't want to and so I sat down with this businessman that my dad knows and I was like, how do I do this as a 20 year old? I want, I want this. <laughs> and, um, and he was like, just tell him you want it. He's going to give it to you. Like no one's going to take that gallery over. And, um, and so I told him I wanted it. And about uh, an hour later, he was like, Hey, I'll just give you the lease and like, just sign it. And like, you can have wow. it. And, um, and I was like, sweet. So I had this baby that I had actually no idea what to do with. And I'm just like, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think I, I think for a 20 year old, I did a good job, um, but I learned a lot and I was definitely not in the space. I think the universe was just giving me that as like a little preview. And so that's what I've held on. Like it, it literally was chapter one to my guide of getting to this point. And yeah, and now I'm, now I'm here. Let's talk about rule of three gallery because you know you really the work that you put in there and i saw the i mean the you talk about busted up the walls and everything in there in that gallery space really need, that needed a lot of work um yeah. going in so how did that all kind of come together how did you end up finding this space yeah. and saying wow on the other side of this there is this beautiful gallery space that, you know, will ultimately be putting on shows like mm-hmm. Sometimes I Miss You, Nora's upcoming exhibition. Yeah, um, it's so funny because when I follow this thread that's of my life, I'm like, whoa, 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 like all these moments that lead up to my current moment. Um, but I did, I, I was the SCAD Atelier. Um, I did that program in sometime early spring. I can't remember the exact dates. So I, I, was housed in the apartment by SCAD and I had a studio for the month. And I've always been like, if I'm doing something, it's just every particle of me is in it and I want the most to come out of it. And so as soon as I found out I was going to, that I got the atelier program, 
I booked a show at Cedar House oh. and I had no work. I was just like, I'm going to have a show at the end of this program. Like that is what I'm going to do. And so I wanted to dedicate those 40 days to nothing but my art. And I did not leave that space. I stayed there. I, I went out for coffee at, you know, and that's it. Like I literally <laughs> lived there. I left my house and my husband, my dogs, my cat. I, I, and I went and I lived in that space. And um, so I made work for um, my show root. And after the show was over, I was like, what am I going to do with my life now? Like, you know, cause I just devoted so much time that I didn't even have a concept of what things would look like after it. Cause that was my goal was root. And so I was talking to Sam who runs Cedar house and I was kind of just mentioning this and she was like, well, Anthony just bought a property on Montgomery street. And Anthony is with Jack Holmes who owns like a lot of Savannah, but he owns Cedar house. He's pretty much buying up all of Montgomery right now. Um, <laughs> but so she, uh, she says that and I was like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, I should probably have a studio. Like, let's go look at it. So she takes me over to what was a, an old, the old gas station district at Savannah Sox studios. And, um, okay. She shows me this space and I was like, girl, why are you bringing me here? <laughs> what is this? Like, are you joking? And um, they, as she was bringing me there, I had just had, you know, Rue. I don't know if you saw photos from that show. I did. But... Yeah. And I, I know Sam well. She's okay. been on the show a bunch of times. Yeah. I love oh, Sam. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I adore her. Um, but she, as she, in the Root show, I had a ton of oysters. Like that was pretty much what I used to create most of the work. And we pull in, I'm like, mm -mm. like as we're driving up, I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, so we get out and right next to the door are three oyster shells. And I was oh, like, oh, nice. I have to throw it. Like, uh, okay. And I was like, what's your vision here, dude? Like, how are you going to transform this space? And she started laughing and she was like, yeah, I know, but you have to just trust that Anthony is going to make this space look good. And we're leaving and I looked down at the oyster shells. And so the space just stuck with me. I was like, I feel mm. like maybe I, maybe, maybe there's something here. So like a month goes by and she shows the space to several people and they all do the same thing I did, you know, they're like, <laughs> ah. and, um, and so I was like, it just, it kept ringing in my head. And I, I, you know, I really manifested and prayed for another opportunity to run a gallery. And I was coming up on 30 and I said, I wanted to do it before I was 30. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to kind of just let loose on this. And I called her and I'm like, I want that space. And I want white walls, I want it to look like this. And I trust that you'll make it happen. Um, sure. <laughs> And then I went there every single day for four months, like while they were doing construction, I was there every day, like, hi, what's new today? What's new? <laughs> and 90% of the time, are you done yet? Yeah. 90% of the time, nothing was different until the very last month. And so I would go and I would be like, why is nothing different? <laughs> like Getting so insecure about like the whole process, but so yeah, I had to like really let a guard down and trust that like things were going to come together. And sure enough, like Anthony and his team, they're incredible. I've like, I will just tell anyone who's even considering working with him to jump on it. 
the whole space. I mean, it's simple. It's a white gallery. Yeah, box, but you know? but it's still like I, I, it was still like so nice to have someone like just what do you need? What do you want this to look like? What about lights? Like the lights I chose the like everything. And so it was just really so yeah, it was just a cool process. I've never had That's anything awesome. like that before. And so yeah, it was it was just really nice. And I wanted to mention too, again here, you know, people can head on over to ro3gallery.com and see the pictures of the process. And of course, you ended up having the first exhibition in the space as being one of your works, one of your projects, because, you know, you were doing a soft opening a bit. You wanted to get yourself a little bit of an opportunity to see how it all works. So before we get into talking about Nora's exhibition, kind of talk a little bit about that and, and sort of, I don't know, but putting some roots in the, uh, in the new space for yourself there. I opened soft open the gallery on my 30th birthday. So I wanted that to be a gift to myself. Like I've worked really hard to curate this dream and um, to get here. And I've had to be really trusting in all ways. And so I just wanted to like gift myself, like by showing myself that I can do the work that I wanted to do a and B showcase it. So like infested and fest has been in my head for years. Like I'm, I, um, it still feels pretty topical. I didn't go too crazy on, uh, the work, but it still was a nice representation of how the space can be utilized. And I wanted that not only for me, but for artists. So Mm -hmm. if I'm bringing in artists, I want to have like a solid representation and example of what the space would be like in terms of show artist roundtable, and, um, just, experience in general. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Let's get back to our interview with Nora Harrison and Stephanie Sunshine Forbes about Sometimes I Miss You, the new exhibition at Rule of Three Gallery. Yeah, for sure. I love the imprint that you put on that space with the first show because you're dealing with some really deep issues. I mean, you're talking about trauma and all this kind of stuff. And I think it really allows, you're, you're sending the message to the art community and other artists that, you know, you can, in this space, it doesn't necessarily need to be like entirely sellable. I mean, sales right. are obviously good, but like right. go from the place that you are in first and foremost, and the other stuff can come later and it's not as much of a consideration and you can see the images of that work again at at the uh, website and so let's let's kind of move into talking about Nora's exhibition now because I I want to get into sometimes I miss you and Nora you've really with your work at least in sort of your more recent work you know since graduation and over the last you know couple of years you've been dealing with some pretty heavy issues yourself and this exhibition is certainly in line with that so okay first of all what's the title mean to you what what Give us kind of an overview of the show and, and, and starting with the title. The show came along at kind of an odd time in my life. Obviously, I'm in a massive transition, leaving New York, moving to Miami. And the whole idea was immediately after graduation, I moved to uh, New York. And my exhibition right before that had been titled Hollow. And that was pretty much all about facing pretty much every bit of trauma that's happened in my life and how I just felt almost like a hollow shell of myself. And I never knew how to fix that. I never knew how to fill that hollowness and make myself better. 
So I moved to New York, hoping that, you know, that would fix that for me. And then pretty much immediately after I moved to New York, I exited a very long-term relationship. I found myself alone for the first time in my adult life, like truly alone. And I was alone in New York City, one of the biggest cities in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a baptism for me. You know, I had the opportunity to fully rebuild myself into the person I wanted to be. That didn't depend on anyone with me, loving anyone, having to you know, live up to any standards or anything like that. It was who I wanted to be as a woman in the city. It was incredible. I mean, my two years there, I found myself in ways I never thought I would. And what I always say about New York is I felt more alive there than I ever have in my entire life. And that's one of those feelings I don't think I'll ever get back now that I've left. I don't think I'll find that specific feeling in anything else, but it was, that's what makes it like magical and beautiful. And that's what makes me miss it and truly long for it. So I planned all these pieces when I knew I was leaving New York. It was kind of a quick move. I, you know, when I first moved there, I fell out of love with someone I thought I would spend my life with possibly. And then I found myself for, you know, a year and a half, two years, and I met someone new. And I realized what it actually felt like to be really, truly in love for the first time in a way that does make you feel whole and it does fill you in all the right ways. For sure. So I moved out of my apartment, which was my studio there that I had loved and adored so much. I moved in with him and our view was we lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we're Mm -hmm. overlooking the Manhattan skyline. And I did feel like this brokenness knowing I was leaving the city and I needed, I needed to put it somewhere. So I started writing and I started planning these pieces while every morning, early in the morning and at dusk overlooking the skyline. And suddenly I felt a transition in my work that I didn't expect. It went Mm. from these very feminine, bold colors, you know, reds and pinks, like all my other work had been. And it transitioned into like these deep blues and like these hazy colors. And without even realizing it, I was painting what my boyfriend's apartment looked like, the same color story in there. I was painting the Manhattan skyline, like the colors that I saw during everything. And it was just this beautiful realization that I knew I was leaving the city, but with this work, I was bringing a part of it with me. For sure. No, I was going to say it's interesting because I I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, and I lived in L.A. for just about eight years before I moved to Savannah. And I've always said that, you know, when you stay in a place long enough, it becomes a part of you forever. There's never going to be a per, a version of you that isn't somewhat New Yorker, right? I mean, like, exactly. that's a part of who you are. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I that was sort of what I was thinking when you're saying Yeah, that. no, it is. It, it becomes a part of you, and you see this huge transition. And I think I didn't know the title of the show. I mean, I didn't even know. I planned, I wanted to make it into a show while I was in New York. It just didn't happen with the pandemic. It was very mm-hmm. difficult. For sure. And... I went back to Savannah as like a layover period before we moved and the house is ready. And Stephanie, you know, was like, let's grab a drink. I need to talk to you about something. I'm opening this gallery and I want you to be one of the first artists. I was like, this is perfect because I already had the works in mind. I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what to call it. I didn't, I don't think I was ready to close that chapter on New York yet. And once we moved to Miami, I was sitting here and it just came to me one day and I was like, sometimes I miss you. Like, People are going to automatically resonate with that. Maybe it's about a place or a person or whatever. Whereas for me, it's, it's missing New York and not only New York, but the person I was there. It's like sure. absolutely devastating longing for a place that is no longer mine, but I still claim in the way that it was my baptism. That's where I found love. That's where I found me as a person for the first time in my life and like fully felt whole. So I do long for it, not in the way that 
I'm very happy where I am and I don't necessarily want to go back, but I don't think that longing for that feeling, you know, for that really just being alive in the city will ever leave me. For sure. And you can never, and you can never go back. Like even if you moved back to New York, you would never be that person again. Exactly. You mentioned we, before we went on the air, we were talking a little bit about your exhibition hollow Mm -hmm. and how it was kind of this transformative experience because right after you graduate you do this exhibition and then you move to New York and so it's like there's such that's such a big thing to make you know transition in your life and like you said you filled yourself during that period and so like you can never have that you'll never be that person that you were that moved to New York after graduation and like had a breakup and you can never go there again so I understand that it's kind of an interesting thing it'll be wistful forever I mean there's no going back it's just closing that period in your life and it's I mean I always say it's very odd what we choose to remember when we you know think about other places and resonate with all of it but you tend to remember the good parts hopefully I mean I felt like my entire life I always remember the bad parts I mean with like trauma things kind of build these mile points in your life that you just keep going from. And for the first time there, it's no matter, I mean, I was living through the pandemic in a studio apartment by myself with my dog for, you know, a year of that. And it was still one of the most incredible points mm. in my life is I was just able to be with myself, make work and, you know, build myself back up, I guess is the best way to say it. Like I found healing and like found a way to work through those hard points in my life and piece it back together. And I do. I miss it. I miss it in a lot of ways, but it is. It's a good. I'm glad it's closed. And the show is really that transitional period of closing that point in my life and doing it in a safe space. Savannah is always my home. It's a safe space. And I wouldn't trust anyone more with the show than Stephanie. Like, I know she's going to bring the vision to life. It's going to be beautiful. So I'm beyond excited for it. Yeah, I want to ask you, Stephanie, because you know Nora, your friends, you know, you're, you've, and you've been friends. And so you know Nora's work previously. And she mentions the feminine forms. And of course, that's a been really a, a, a long transition from very literal representations of like female nudes to more implied representations mm-hmm. of women. So Stephanie, you asked Nora to be a part of this gallery and do a show, but she's also, um, this, this Nora has gone through this really profound change. So like, what do you what were you thinking like when you see the new work because it's different you know it is different it's making a transition for her yeah well so the thing that I love most about a I wanted to ask her to do a show because we are friends and I adore her and I love the way that she looks at life when she moved to New York and like I was following her on Instagram obviously and like kind of living vicariously in a way where and, and related so much, like it, I, everything she was posting, I was like, I felt that I, I understand, like, because I moved to California in the same regard. Like I, I went there, I fell in love with someone and my identity became California and that person. Mm. And then when we split up, it was like, I found myself in the same space. I was alone for the first time in my life. I was having to deal with things that I never had to deal with. Um, and my art totally transformed. I didn't like, I was not making it what I, it was just different Stephanie. And, um, and so I actually was like witnessing that happen with Nora. And I thought it was so, so relatable and fascinating. And, you know, her writings are a testament to kind of 
you know, depth of her work. And, and I think that I didn't care what the work was going to look like. It was about the experience and mm. the, um, the, I mean, I knew it was going to, I know it's going to look great, but <laughs> I didn't, that's not, that wasn't my concern. My concern was like the conversation that can be had with her and others and, um, and the experience that she is going to offer and bring to the space. And, um, and yeah, that, that's, that was my primary, you know, I'm going to have shows where the work is considered, like, I'm going to have, you know, on view shows where it's just a, a, a few weeks, like Deb Odin is, I'm going to go to her studio and pick out work that I, right. can, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have shows like that. Um, but specifically this one was geared in that experience and um, just the, the whole narrative of her life. Like That's her, so cool. It's interesting because you mentioned how maybe it's even less about the creation of the artwork for you as an artist. It's less about the creation of the artwork and maybe it's more about the conversation that can be had. And Nora, I think, you know, your work, not only the visual art that you're creating invokes conversation, but you're literally having a conversation with readers as well as a writer, as somebody who's writing down your thoughts and feelings. So talk a little bit about that, because I know that writing is a big part of you and your work. Right before we went on the show, you mentioned something, you said something to the effect of you can't separate the two of those things. So talk a little bit about that, if you would. So I'm kind of like stuff. I've always been an artist. My dad's an architect and he had wanted to actually go to art school when he was younger. Uh, my grandfather was not a fan of that. So he became an architect instead and it worked very well for him. But I grew up around that. I've always, you know, painted and drawn and I pretty much lived in his office doing my own plans to match his. And I would present them to clients. They're awful, but I mean, he loved it. And it was incredible. I'm sure it was super charming though to like those clients. Exactly. I'm like a second grader showing them my crayon drawings of their house. I'm like, this is where you can put your couch. They they were always really great and supportive about it, especially my father. My mom tries her best, bless her heart. I mean, she doesn't know as much about heart, but she's so excited to show my work to people. And she's always been very supportive of it as well. And I started taking it really seriously in high school, I guess early high school. Um, I knew I wanted to go to SCAD. I had always visited Savannah as a kid and I knew that was my dream school. And then mid high school, um, I would say just some terrible things happened to me. It was just a very low point in my life. And I kind of stepped away from art because it felt, I just didn't know how to approach it anymore. And I had an art teacher who told me to start writing. She gave me a journal and she was like, I'll never read it, but try to find a way to you know, paint in here and write at the same time. Maybe you can get your feelings down and then also find a way to express art through that. I started doing that and filling notebook after notebook and I never stopped. And after that, I could never find a way to separate it truly. I mean, even in high school, my senior year, my work was all based off of writing and it was already in the female form. And I never thought I would continue that, but it did. And I found it was a way that like, what I was always feeling and I wanted to express in art didn't seem approachable. And then I listened to Stephanie and it's like, she's gone through the same experiences and so many people have, but when you're going through it and you're facing these very intimate things and parts of your life, it doesn't feel approachable. And a lot of times it feels like no one's going to understand. So I feel like the way that I approach the abstract work now, the work is approachable. You can hang it on your wall. You're going to enjoy it every day. It's Definitely. Creating yeah. these beautiful things, finding beauty in chaos and in pain. But then the writing that goes with it, 
that's where you really find the true depth of the work. So when you purchase a painting or the paintings that are going to be in the show, uh, like one is titled Enigma. That's all you get from it when you see that. And then it causes people to wonder, okay, why Enigma? What does it mean? And then you see the framed writing that goes with it. And Enigma is, I know how to pull people in, but never how to make them stay. So then you get mm. the full grasp of it. And it just, it just gives you a little bit more. And that's why I want to, you know, push people. I want them to view the work, wonder what it's about, try to find themselves in it and their personal experiences, and then find the writing. And they can get my story and hopefully relate to that. I mean, one of the paintings is titled, I loved you until I couldn't love myself. And that one wow. already gives a little bit more away, but then they find the writing and it just plays along. And for a while, I did try to separate my writing and my work. And I played with text in my paintings. I did an entire series in New York actually called I Think I Love You. And <laughs> it did, I, I loved it. It was something I needed to get it out. It was, you know, the summer, I made all these pieces during the pandemic living alone. And it's like, I felt like I had all these, these things stirring up inside me and I just needed to put it on canvas. And I sold these pieces and they're always like, all those are very blunt. I mean, it says like, I think I love you. One of them says like, it's talks about like needing affirmation in your life or like, I don't know when it's appropriate to fall in love. It's voicing all of these little demons that were running around in my head. And those are very blunt and it was great. I was gr glad I did that series. It was kind of needed to clear myself of that. I always say like, if you write about your demons enough and all those things, it sets you free. And mm. Then I wanted this piece of work, I wanted it to be approachable, but I wanted it to still have the depth. And I've joked with my friends, it's a completely different color palette than I've ever used. And I'm like, God, I, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why I'm working with this. And my friends joke, they're like, you're in love, you're happy. You're using like these bright, you know, it just makes you happy when you look at the paintings, even though they're still inspired by harder points in my life or working right. through emotions in the transition. But they're like, you're in a good point for the first time in your life. And it shows through your artwork in a way that I wouldn't even expect it to. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Let's get back to our interview with Nora Harrison and Stephanie Sunshine Forbes about Sometimes I Miss You, the new exhibition at Rule of Three Gallery. Yeah, I will say like seeing the work you're doing now, it's like such a testament to your growth and like the confidence. Yeah. Like, it screams confidence and like just in all ways too. Like it, it has that depth and the, the darkness that you dealt with. Like it has that in there still, but it's yeah. just, it's so bold and confident. Yeah. I've loved watching that happen. Like yeah. it's, so. it's been really fun. I mean, it's great. It's, I'm glad to finally have the space to work. And I I've set up in one of our bedrooms here at the house and it is nice too. It's like, I've always been the artist. That's so like, you're trapped in your studio and you're alone and you don't want anyone to look at the art or whatever, especially like in college, going through critiques of SCAD, it's hard when you're approaching intimate and emotional topics with your work and then you're getting torn apart by strangers essentially. So it's easy to lock yourself away, but it's been nice with these works. I mean, I'm looking out at a completely different, instead of the Manhattan skyline, I'm looking at like our pool and you know, all the <laughs> greenery and it's just, it's weird, but it's great. And my boyfriend, he's next door in his office and he's able to come in and, and he's blunt. He'll tell me if a color's off or if I need to work it. And it's, it's great. It's, nice. it's like having that critique at home and I still won't let him read the writings. He hasn't read any of the writings. <laughs> They're just so funny. And it's, I mean, I, 
have them all. I that this show is going to have 16 writings. There's 11 paintings and 16 writings, and they all expand off of the paintings. And I joke with him like one of them is titled 92 Defender, and that's his car. He drives an old like Land Rover Defender. Oh, nice. And, okay. Yeah. And I still won't let him read it. He tries to peek and everything, but because it is, it's almost like a testament to our relationship and the growth and just those transitions in my life. And I feel like all my writing in the past with my work, it, it was on the darker side. It was more about heartbreak. Whereas in this, I've been able to write about the goodness in life, you know, and where you can find kind of beauty in the chaos, essentially. So. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I, that, that, that sounds so great. And, and of course, the exhibition, Sometimes I Miss You, is it starts December 10th from 6 to 10 p.m. at the reception at Rule of Three Gallery. How long does it run, uh, Stephanie? What's it going? When is it going through? Um, I think January 6th is probably when we'll um, clear out for. And right now, tentatively, we'll have January dedicated to works by Deb Odin. Um, nice. Okay, so you got pretty much the entire rest of the month of December to to check out the exhibition. Now, I want to wrap this up really quick, but I uh, right now, but I, before we get out of here, I wanted to, to kind of get some more details from all of you all, from both of you, because um, you know, in addition to what we've been talking about today you know, you're going to continue to be working into the future. And, and if people are interested in following what you're up to, you know, not only with your gallery, but uh, Stephanie, but also your personal work and Nora, your work. And, and cause I, I'm really excited now because you got this exhibition coming up about New York, but now you're in Miami. I mean, I wonder I how that's going to influence you. That'll be really <laughs> cool to see. And I'm sure people will want to figure that, find that out. So why don't we start with you, Nora, if people are interested in following you and your work beyond this exhibition, what's the best way for people to do that? So my Instagram for everything um, is just Nora Harrison. And uh, there's also Nora Harrison Studio, just plain and simple. And my website is Nora Harrison Studio. So all the new collections are on there, past collections, everything. And then I keep up to date with it on my personal Instagram, Nora Harrison and on Nora Harrison Studio. Awesome. And Stephanie, what about you with the gallery and your own personal work as well? Because I know you're sort of navigating both of those worlds. So for both of that, what's the best way for people to, to follow you as well? Um, I would say ro3 underscore gallery on Instagram and row3gallery.com. Those are, I, I am trying to tie in, I, I have links to my personal website through row3. So I, I think that will be a good, uh, good way to scout. <laughs> but yeah, every artist that's in the gallery is going to have their own tab on the website that will lead you to their personal website. So I think that's row3gallery.com is probably the best. best and again, way. the gallery, Rule of Three Gallery is at 915B Montgomery Street. And it's really exciting. Stephanie, Nora, thank you both for joining me today on Art on the Air. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. <laughs> so nice. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at BrighterDayFoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? 
It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming, and it doesn't just mean that we are a voice for the community. It also means that we are counting on the community to keep us going, and you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to wruu.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Are you hesitant about receiving the coronavirus vaccination? Contact your physician. It is estimated that 97% of all physicians have been vaccinated. What do they know that you don't know? Or talk to a friend or relative who has been vaccinated and find out why they have taken it. For more information, contact www.cdc.gov. Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here back in the studio. Thanks for listening to Art on the Air today. Those were a couple of messages. We're going to get into our second interview of the week, speaking with Lisa Rosenmeyer about her new exhibition, To the Future, featuring her character Spock the Mouse, which opens this coming Friday, December 10th at Blick Art Materials at 318 East Broughton Street. And it will be opening all day that day, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. The exhibition goes through December 31st. Let's get into this interview with Lisa Rosenmeyer. Enjoy. The whole reason that I'm doing what I'm doing, and I chose Spock for this event, is because it's to help people transition and help grab the concept of the digital world in art. And so I knew I was gonna need tangible stuff because some people it's just like, it's not gonna register. So I have plans to eventually do an exhibit that is solely done through digital devices. That's it. Like there is, it's like, here's some coordinates, turn on your freaking phone. (laughs) So I'm working towards something more, way more elaborate. So Spock is a very simplistic uh, baby step stepping stones for, for sure. society. And I'm hoping that some of the stuff that I do in this, that other artists are going to look at it and go, oh, and it's going to spark ideas with them. And there's, there's various ways that people be able to, and I can pull stuff out and show you what I'm talking about, um, how they can be able to put things together. And, you know, it's like you don't take an idea and hide it away. You show it to the world and hope that it helps everything else grow. I love that. So, first of all, let's get all the details of the show. Okay. So, I mean, I know it's about Spock, and I know it's at Blick. Spock is the catalyst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, what's the name of the show? And like, when To the Future. Ha- okay, To the Future. Awesome, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, I know that you're a big nerd just like me, so I hope you don't <laughs> mind me calling you a nerd. No, no, I but, wear it proudly now. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you named your mouse character Spock. Spock. So yes. talk a little bit about the origins of the character, if you uh, would. Oh my gosh, origins of the character. Well, Spock actually arrived just before the COVID shutdown. Uh, his first appearance um, was at Roots Up Gallery when it was located over on Whitaker. Mm, okay. And Leslie had said, I want some tiny paintings of yours, something cheeky, something fun, something small. I'm like, oh my gosh, what could I do? So I started doodling these little characters. I started off with some cats and stuff, and uh, she loved those. And I just did this one real plain mouse. 
coming across this little can, tiny little canvas. And then the second one I did of him, he was tied to a red balloon. And there were little cat paws trying to catch him. And it was called Rising to New Heights. And so I did a couple more of the hand-painted ones. And then the world went crazy. Mm-hmm. And Spock was actually my way of getting through COVID. He was basically me. He's kind of like my own personal story of getting through COVID. Nice. So as I would see things or I'd uh, see the world around me and see what's going on either through news or through my own window, um, I would respond to it going, okay, how would this little mouse do this? Yeah, that's so funny because <laughs> Spock is over, almost always overcoming some sort of obstacle. Like yes. even though it's like a small obstacle. Yeah, yeah. So so Spock is a... Uh, He's got great tenacity, you know, and spirit and stuff. Uh, he does, at the opening, there'll be his website that'll talk a little bit about, like, what Spock's favorite color is and, you know, these kind of little things that go behind because, well, he's becoming quite a little personality. Mm-hmm. And what's um, the website? Um, it's called Spock the Mouse. Okay. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, real simple. Um, he has his own little book. I know, I have and... a copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's and, the name of the book again? Uh, a, little, a Little Mouse Named Spock. A Little Mouse Named Spock. And you can get that, of course, in your studio at, yeah. at City Market. Yeah. Now, right now, his website is set up for the the more of the viewing yeah, and right. stuff. So if nobody even wants to come to Blick, they could still see everything. They won't get the full experience of the transition from the tangible world into the digital world right. that way. Um, because we are so familiar with online stuff that part of the reason of this exhibit is also to show how art can transition. And then I do have a gift that's going to be up and available of Spock. Uh, he's going to be, his plans is to turn him into an NFT, so he's not available for purchase. The only way anyone can see him is on December 10th at the opening. That's very cool. So, um, and I'm exploring this whole world of the digital environment and you know I chose Spock for this because first off he's brave he'll he'll travel into anything he's got yeah. that great conquering spirit and he's willing to try stuff so I was like okay Spock you're my launch pad guy um, and I was like let's start small let's start simple you're simple to look at you use an easy little draw and it makes it really easy it's just a nice simple non-threatening transition well for sure like who can't look at that character and be like happy right i mean right, it's yeah. like it's nice in that way yeah he's just supposed to be just a real simple happy little easy guy you know it's interesting i was thinking because i know you ran a comic book store for a long time yes. and you have that background and your work is very illustrative and you know even though you're doing painting and i yeah and i was thinking it almost feels like you're following like a comic book adventure of like this little character. I don't wonder <laughs> yeah. how, I mean, if there's yeah, some of that there's there, kinda, right? there's kind of some story. Uh, some of that Spock is still revealing uh-huh. to me and where is it's going. Um, there'll be a new introduction um, because, you know, we're all starting to get to see our friends again. One of his buddies is going to show up. Ooh. So there will be one. It'll be called Hey Buddy. Um, and so you'll get to meet her. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that'll be at the opening. We'll give a little teaser Yeah, that's there. one of his friends. That's one of his friends. It's not a love interest. <laughs> okay, okay. She's too young for Spock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so, you know, so there's little bits that are going to start developing. Um, I do have uh, some private interests 
So Spock will be producing a second book. Oh, very cool. Yes. Um, and there's already been funding for that. Very great. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. you. Uh, caught me off guard. Uh, dumbfounded. What? <laughs> uh, so I have that. So if you don't see me painting as much, it's because I have a, I have a commitment. Have a book. Yeah, you have a book job. Right? I have a book job right now. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I am Rob Hessler. Let's get back to our interview with Lisa Rosenmeyer talking about her exhibition, To the Future, opening this Friday, December 10th at Blick Art Materials right here in Savannah. So let me let me ask you about okay because you, you talked about you know Spock is the perfect character to take this adventure take this leap right. into the digital world here, but and you said you know you mentioned like well to kind of bring people into this world like right. this digital world yeah I'm gonna be honest with you I don't even understand NFTs <laughs> right and this is like kind of my job a little bit so yeah. sort of explain for people because I'm going to broadcast this as right, well so explain right. to people like what does that mean yeah and, and what does it mean to you and what does it mean like an in NFT is a non-fungible token okay what that gets down to anybody who's done any digital drawings and this is basically going to be basically anybody under the age of 30 will know what I'm saying and we'll look at Spock and go are you kidding me he's so basic but for the older generation, be patient with us. Not this us. This doesn't, we're talking about people, not us. This is to help them translate. So you could take your parents or your older siblings or something and go, this is what I'm trying to explain to you. Um, so basically it's whenever you're in the digital world where you're drawing digitally. This doesn't mean that it's a computer program that is doing the creative work. This still has to come through the human mind mm -hmm. and hand. There are programs out there that assist the humans so that when the stuff is drawn, eh, replicated is another word, um, that it's all locked down in computer code, ones and zeros. So the only way to bring it out in what they refer to as a tangible world, that means, you know, the regular world, um, is through a print. Because that's the only way it'll exist. Yeah, uh -huh. um, what an NFT does is it, in all that code, Remember, every time you make a copy and you send a photograph, you take a picture of your kid and you put it on Facebook. Well, the NFT is when you took that very first picture. That's the raw NFT. That's your first line of code of this image ever existing. And that's what people are buying. Mm -hmm. Not the copies, the original coding. So that's the equivalency of like buying an original painting versus a print right mm -hmm. um, what happens then is like just like when you sell unlike when you sell an original painting when you sell that original code through the NFT what happens is is that the artist gets paid and then someone else can say I now have this code and they can turn around and say well um, I'm now willing to sell it and I'm gonna sell it for this amount of price and when the artist sets up the NFT to go up into market he can establish off the get-go how much percentage right. he wants to receive every time that image is re or that code is resold. Now, it's not a perfect system yet. Sure. We wish it was. Um, well, that's a thing that has actually existed even with original like paintings for years and years and right. years. But it's 
it is not a part of our current right. sales contracts and everything like that. Right. It, that you know. If you sell this to somebody else, I get a percentage of this forever. And but then like, down the back road, in the, the road, heyday of like the arts in like the nineties and stuff, artists used to get that kind of thing. But now that's a that's yes, a long time yes. gone. And as doing Spock and stuff, there's been some great experiences and there's been some oh, there's some interesting stuff that's going to have to be worked out. <laughs> well, I wonder, are you, you're probably learning a ton. Just I, like learn, learning, going through this experience. Learning a ton. For anyone to buy an NFT, they're going to have to get what's called a crypto wallet. And you're like, what the hell is a crypto wallet? Oops, sorry, I probably couldn't say that. You can say hell. Okay. We can say hell all day long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or what the heck is a crypto wallet? Well, a crypto <laughs> wallet is basically a line of code. You're like, code, okay. Think of it as your bank account number. Right. Okay. So that you have money stored in your bank account. And some people already have it to where they can have their checks direct deposited to their account. You can withdraw from your account. We got Zill that we just tap, tap to each other and boom, we're taken from one account straight to another. Crypto wallet is the equivalency of about the same thing. You have to remember that number though, just like you would need to remember your bank account number if you ever wanted to get back into your bank again. Same thing with a crypto wallet. Um, so you have to have one of those. You have to have the funds within it, which means you're going to have to own cryptocurrency. That's Bitcoin. That's what, oh, Dogecoin. Yes, you can start laughing. Uh, <laughs> and if I really want to make your listeners laugh, you can own Shiva. Um, <laughs> it still counts. It's crypto. Um, and then from that, you can buy the NFTs. Now, what makes this so interesting is that it's always perfectly guarded. They mm -hmm. always has a line of province, so they always know who owned it beforehand. Right, it right, can't right. get lost or destroyed because it's not just in one place. It's thousands of computers throughout the world. It's global that are all interchecking each other constantly. Um, what makes an NFT get expensive and a lot of people, uh, environmentalists will talk about this, is the carbon footprint that doing digital currency and NFTs cost because of all the energy it takes to run all those computers. Okay. And the more information we have on those computers, the harder they have to work. Right. Therefore burning more energy. Then we sit there and we start looking at, okay, there's alternative energies that are being developed. You know, maybe it won't be so bad after all. So all this stuff is also being sure. talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's a very complex. Every issue is a complex issue. <laughs> it's really. very complex. So when, when talking about like people going to the exhibition, because like yeah. you said, it it's, exists really only in the digital realm, but you're going to go there and you're going to have something for people to look yeah. at. It'll be, well. There will so be stuff what, there. What can people expect if they go to the exhibition? Right, right. So right now what I'm holding is a little folder. Oh, that's a cardboard folder. Cardboard folder. Yeah, it's it has a ribbon, thin. a nice little ribbon nice on this. This is the exhibit. This is the tangible exhibit okay. that anyone's going to be able to see. You get first peek. Okay, basically, to help them transition. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah, they're going to have a QR code that's going to take them into the digital world. This is where you can simply just turn on the phone part of your, mm -hmm. your, the camera part of your phone, hold it up, and it'll take you to the parts of the exhibit. Now, each one of my images... Yeah, so for those of you who are kind of familiar, it's a QR code, essentially, in like all phones, modern phones. Like, you right. basically just and take a, lot, a picture of it. And, and more of us have gotten used to that mm -hmm. throughout COVID when we go to restaurants and stuff. They'd have a QR code to pull up your menu. Yeah, Same, yeah. same principle. 
So basically, they're going to have, these are going to be hung up on the wall. So it's a digital image. It's a prints these are, of... Yeah. These are really, really cheap. <laughs> these would not stand the test of time. They're not designed to. Um, because they also have kind of like what to do. Oh, that one doesn't have its arrow on it. There we go. As you saw, Spock is not under 21. <laughs> <laughs> Spock was having an adult beverage. Yes. Um, and so it'll have, you know, to purchase replacements. It'll tell you to go to this QR code. And replacements is the name of the Replacements image. is the name of this particular image. So there's a digital image that people can look at, and there's a QR code that people can scan, and right. then they purchase the NFT of the... Of they, the they purchase a digital. a digital. It's not an NFT because I left it open for anybody to be able to purchase it. So it helps them transition to the digital world. Okay. Because to get a crypto wallet can get kind of expensive. Sure, okay. Because... Uh, another word throw out there, boy, it's a lot of jargon for your people, gas fees. The gas fees right now uh, talks about um, how expensive it is to purchase something. And right now, some of the Bitcoin and the coding and the NFTs are getting expensive because more and more people are using it, causing the energy to create these things and right. sustain the, that's why it's called a gas fee, um, is increasing. So it makes it more expensive to get in. So for someone to get a crypto wallet right now, to even stand a chance to buy an NFT, they're probably looking at dropping easily $250. Wow, okay. Yeah, so it was like, oh, crud. Ah, all I wanted to do was go shopping. <laughs> so these right now I left, I went ahead because the gas fees are so high right now, I left these in a digital world. So when they scan this and they do purchase something, they're going to be getting a digital file. It will not be on paper. It will not be anything. It'll be a digital file that will be sent to them. Now, I can still turn around later, turn my original coding into an NFT. Right, for sure. And, and everything. And the original code can still be sold. I know it gets like, whoa, your I know. brain exploding yet? <laughs> so. But see, I think even, what's interesting is like, we're getting into the minutiae here. And I think this is really an interesting sort of philosophical point that we're making. Right. But it's also like beautiful, wonderful, happy pieces that people get to see. And so yes. they get to like look at what you're doing with Spock, but then right. also kind of think on a deeper level of like, what does this all mean? Like what's going right. on? Right. And that's another reason for this exhibit and everything is to talk about where is art going? What is happening to it? And how are we as a, a society going to perceive and value it? So let me just, let's kind of conclude this here real quick with a, a sort of, well, two, two things. I want to get yep. all of your information for people that want to be able to follow you and your work. But before that, you have this, you mentioned how you're hoping that this might influence other artists and potentially right. inspire people to do something. Right. But you're also going to have people that are going to go who are not necessarily artists who will see the show right. and they're just art viewers. So kind of talk a little bit about those two experiences and sort of how you feel like people might experience the show depending on the frame of reference that they're coming from. If someone's looking for a traditional art exhibit where whether you're thinking of contemporary modern art or if you're looking for paint my traditional type painting style, you're going to feel a little you're going to feel lackluster. I'll let you know. Uh, because you're going to be like there's paper taped up on a wall how am i supposed to handle this <laughs> uh -huh. and because the experience and that part of the experience is also 
the confusion of that is also supposed to be part of the experience that you're supposed For sure. to like why do you why is this like this let me why, figure it out why why in the world did this get accepted how in the world is this considered art what the heck is the artist trying to say so there should be this little bit of fumbling what around. did Blix say when you actually i'm curious about that that's a good point that you bring up but i hadn't even thought about like i mean I can't think of something like this happening in Savannah yet. And it's certainly pretty new, even like in the world. It's, so, yeah, yeah. And I mean, here I am was doing like it a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm going to go and I want to tape up these pieces of paper on your wall. And call um, it. <laughs> well, actually, uh, they gave me free reign. Oh, okay, before, cool. Before they... You are established. I was thinking that this is a good, you're yeah, a good person yeah. to try this out. Yeah, yeah. I am <laughs> established. They know me well at Blick. Uh, they get a lot of my money. I'm sure they do. <laughs> um, and none of the stuff I ever want is ever on sale, so I always have to pay full price. <laughs> but uh, they're an incredible, incredible staff and, and group of people and everything. And so on my opening night, I will have some tangible work. You got to see some of my cheeses and stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, Beautiful well, little blocks of... I mean, little... actually, I kind of just want to like eat one. It looks like there's this... It's this... Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks like the sort of prototypical mouse cheese. You're right. And I made all those cheeses. I, I could. I'm, I was yeah, I molded them and everything, created them. They're they're completely my my design and everything. And they're to hold little mouse prints that I'm making. Very. Fun. And everything. So to for for the sake of Blick, the cheese, the little mice. Um, the prints. The prints and stuff that that paper or canvas all came from them. The wood that I have them mounted on so they hold up, all came from Blick. So I'm not, you know, there's a reason to promote Blick this yeah, way. Sure, there, yeah. there is a balance. The tape that I'm using to put up on the wall came from Blick, <laughs> you know. Right. So as we're going through this transitional part, you know, it's just showing that you're still going to need places like Blick to create art. You're still going to need these tangible things as you're expressing and exploring because sometimes... Mm -hmm. You still just got to get your hands dirty, mm -hmm. you know, before you go into the digital realm. Uh, until so, we get the until we get the scent um, filters coming through our computers, because I right <laughs> <laughs> then it can smell like you know like turpentine yeah. and like right. paint and stuff. Right. Like that. So, yes. <laughs> sawdust coming out of our. Well, look, I, I think this is great. I, I'm so excited, Lisa. It's always yep. great to chat with you, of course. But yep. if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, and they want to like follow you. Beyond this project, but just in general, how, yeah. what's the best way for people to do that? Um, well, they could go to my regular website, which is lisarosemeyer.com. Um, of course, I'll be keeping the Spock thing up. And right now, Spock doesn't have tangible stuff on his site because it's for the digital experience. For sure. But later, that stuff will show up. Um, and of course, you can always stop by my studio in City Market. Which is looking amazing. Thank I don't know you. if I got that on the recording when Thank I first you. came in, but looking looks awesome. Yeah. Looks awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Lisa. I appreciate it. Sure. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air. <laughs>